This podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.bogosity.tv. Your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.bogosity.tv now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of January 22, 2017. The podcast that plays multiplayer solitaire. This is your host, Shane Killian, and joining me this week is Daniel Wilcox. Uh, where am I? <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Glad to be back. <laughs> Let's rusticate the news of the bogus. And starting off with a surprising bit of good news, President Obama has commuted the sentence of Chelsea Manning. I have to admit, I did not see this coming. Neither did I, really. Manning had been sentenced to 35 years in prison and has been hideously mistreated, including being put in solitary confinement and punished for things like having expired toothpaste, and even like making noise at night, stopping her from sleeping, things like that. Through it all, she's been having to deal with psychological issues around her gender dysphoria, which is not an easy thing to go through. It's something that people struggle with for years and often have issues lasting the rest of their lives. I can only imagine. Yeah, and that's kind of what grinds my gears about these social justice snowflakes trying to jump on it like it's some kind of attention-grabbing bandwagon, like they're gender fluid. Oh, today I feel like being female. That's not how it works. And I mean, someone takes the huge leap of coming out to people they've known their whole lives, and some snowflake starts going, Oh, that's me, too! That's me! Pay attention to me! And it's like they just cheapen and trivialize what real gender dysphoria sufferers go through just to get some undeserved attention. But I'm ranting. I'm sorry. I've digressed. <laughs> anyway, it might be one of those kind of podcasts. Don't worry, folks. I'm here to babysit Shane. <laughs> So anyway, after going through all of that, including at least two suicide attempts, Obama has declared that her sentence is to end on May 17, cutting the sentence short by almost three decades. Now, this is a commutation, not a pardon, which means that the sentence was cut short, but nothing else changes. It's still on her record. And the 120-day delay is apparently standard for this. They want to allow a transition period so that you know, the person can, like, find a place to live and things like that. Although, personally, I don't know if you'd probably just rather be out the door. I know I would be. Amen. So this is one of two big pardon campaigns that have been going on, and the other was to pardon Edward Snowden. We've covered Obama's excuses for not pardoning Snowden, so let's not take this as an indication that Obama's going to pardon him, too. I don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't see Snowden's pardon happening anytime soon, unfortunately. But a few days before the announcement, Snowden tweeted, quote, Mr. President, if you grant only one act of clemency as you exit the White House, please, free Chelsea Manning. You alone can save her life. That was mighty big of him. Yeah. Brickbats to White House spokesperson Josh Earnest, who made this excuse, quote, Chelsea Manning is somebody who went through the military criminal justice process, yeah, and look what it got her, was exposed to due process, was found guilty, 
was sentenced for her crimes, and she acknowledged wrongdoing. Mr. Snowden fled into the arms of an adversary and has sought refuge in a country that most recently made a concerted effort to undermine confidence in our democracy. Yeah, well, Snowden fled to Glenn Greenwald in the Guardian newspaper, so nice to know he considers them to be our adversaries. <laughs> no, 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 of course he's talking about Russia. Russia! He knows this is a lie. We've covered this. Snowden had his passport revoked and couldn't leave Moscow for that reason. He was only there on a layover in the first place. And the reason Snowden fled the U.S. in the first place was the horrible way Manning was treated. Because they showed quite clearly that government cares nothing about the Constitution or what whistleblowers have to say. And so Snowden figured quite rightly there'd be no way he'd be treated justly. Well, yeah, that just seems to make sense. WikiLeaks also tweeted, quote, if Obama grants Manning clemency, Assange will agree to U.S. extradition despite clear unconstitutionality of DOJ case. So we'll have to see what happens there. But at any rate, it's good that Manning's nightmare will soon be over. Hopefully she can make a good adjustment back to real life where she can deal with her remaining issues. So best of luck to her. Best of luck to you, friend. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Hey everybody, this is Dave of the Superplex Bros, and you're listening to the Bogosity Podcast. When you're done, why don't you head over to superplexbros.com. We have all kinds of editorials and reviews on video games and pro wrestling. We're also currently hosting a major project called the Superplex Pokemon League, and we're about to go into our third season. We just had our actual draft, and we're going over all the teams and their draft picks. So why don't you head on over there, check things out, and if you like, you can even check out the Superplex Brothers podcast, where Matt and I basically bullshit about video games, pro wrestling, or whatever the hell we want. Anyway, until next time, take care. So like I've said before, it's really surprising that Donald Trump hasn't taken at least biggest bug on him before now, because he certainly said plenty of stupid things. One of the dumb things he said was that anyone who burns an American flag should go to jail, even though this is a free speech issue and a done deal, and also burning is how you're supposed to properly dispose of a flag in the first place. Really? I never knew that. Why is that? That's what's specified in uh, Title V. Huh. You're not supposed to throw it away, you're supposed to burn it. But despite 1989's Texas v. Johnson, in which the Supreme Court said that flag burning absolutely is political expression protected by the First Amendment, so stop being morons already, four Urbana, Illinois police officers arrested Brighton Mellet last summer for felony flag desecration, which is punishable by up to three years in prison. That seems wildly disproportionate. Yeah. Burn a piece of cloth. Three years. Last week, Mellett, along with the Illinois ACLU, filed a federal lawsuit arguing that the four officers should be held personally liable for violating his First and Fourth Amendment rights. Their actions were clearly unconstitutional, and this is pretty much common knowledge. There were no other violations. He burned his own flag in a friend's backyard. The only reason anyone knew he did it to begin with was he posted the picture of him burning the flag to his Facebook timeline and even made it his profile pic. And the statute he was arrested of violating, which again is hideously unconstitutional to begin with, only prohibits flag desecration in public places. While the police said the protest was public, 
because part of the backyard could be seen from the road. And it's not even clear if the specific part where he burned the flag could be seen from the road. If I can see someone's into someone's living room window, is their living room a public place? I guess so. He was released the next day by State Attorney Julia Reitz, who confirmed that the statute is unconstitutional. Police tried to backpedal, saying they did it for Mellet's safety since they were afraid people were going to threaten his life over it. According to ACLU of Illinois Senior Staff Attorney Rebecca Glenberg, quote, There simply was no justification for Brighton to be arrested for his political statement. If police were concerned about Brighton's safety, they should have taken action against whoever they thought was compromising his safety, not against the person engaged in constitutionally protected speech. Just more excuse making. Yep. And according to the AP, dozens of states still have flag desecration statutes on their books. How have they survived this long? Well, they're not enforcing them. I mean, we have just saw what happens when they try to enforce them, but legislators are not going to go up and repeal them because of the political repercussions. Oh, he wants to make flag desecration legal, even though it's already legal. It's politics. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. Okay, for our next story, I debated whether or not I wanted to wade into this quagmire. I promise I'm not trying to make this a technology and encryption podcast, but I just, I know people have been wondering lately, but I mean, these, these things keep coming up and they keep being important. And this also lets us discuss a couple of important larger issues. So we've talked about the secure messaging app WhatsApp. The Guardian caused quite a stir by claiming there was this huge backdoor in WhatsApp's encryption, quote, So backdoors are bad again. I guess so. A security vulnerability that can be used to allow Facebook and others to intercept and read encrypted messages has been found within WhatsApp messaging service. Facebook claims that no one can intercept WhatsApp messages, not even the company and its staff, ensuring privacy for its billion-plus users. But new research shows that the company could, in fact, read messages due to the way WhatsApp has implemented its end-to-end -end encryption protocol. Privacy campaigners, it doesn't say who, said the vulnerability is a huge threat to freedom of speech and warned it could be used by government agencies as a backdoor to snoop on users who believe their messages to be secure. 
WhatsApp has the ability to force the generation of new encryption keys for offline users, unbeknown to the sender and recipient of the messages, and to make the sender re-encrypt messages with new keys and send them again for any messages that have not been marked as delivered. And the headline was, quote, WhatsApp vulnerability allows snooping on encrypted messages. Now, such a thing would be a huge cause for concern since, according to Facebook, 15 trillion messages are sent across WhatsApp every year. But basically what the Guardian did was clickbait. WhatsApp uses the same encryption protocol as Signal, which we've also talked about, and that was designed by Moxie Marlinspike, and he wrote the following to Signal's blog, quote, One fact of life in real-world cryptography is that these keys will change under normal circumstances. And this is any time you get a new device or reinstall the app or change the SIM card or whatever, it needs to change the keys. WhatsApp gives users the option to be notified when these changes occur. While it is likely that not every WhatsApp user verifies safety numbers or safety number changes, the WhatsApp clients have been carefully designed so that the WhatsApp server has no knowledge of whether users have enabled the change notifications or whether users have verified safety numbers. WhatsApp could try to man in the middle of conversation, just like with any encrypted communication system, but they would risk getting caught by users who verify keys. The WhatsApp clients have been carefully designed so they will not re-encrypt messages that have already been delivered. Once a sending client displays a double check mark, it can no longer be asked to resend that message. This prevents anyone who compromises the server from being able to selectively target previously delivered messages for re-encryption. The fact that WhatsApp handles key changes is not a backdoor, it is how cryptography works. Any attempt to intercept messages in transit by the server is detectable by the sender, just like with Signal, PGP, or any other end-to-end communication system. Given the size and scope of WhatsApp's user base, we feel that their choice to display a non-blocking notification is appropriate. It provides transparent and cryptographically guaranteed confidence in the privacy of a user's communication, along with a simple user experience. The way this story has been reported has been disappointing. There are many quotes in the article, but it seems that The Guardian put very little effort into verifying the original technical claims they've made. Even though we are the creators of the encryption protocol supposedly backdoored by WhatsApp, we were not asked for comment. It is great that The Guardian thinks privacy is something their readers should be concerned about. However, running a story like this without taking the time to carefully evaluate claims of a backdoor will ultimately only hurt their readers. It has the potential to drive them away from a well-engineered and carefully considered system to much more dangerous products that make truly false claims. We believe that WhatsApp remains a great choice for users concerned with the privacy of their message content. So basically what WhatsApp did is not a bug, it's not a mistake, and it's not even really a secret, and it's not a backdoor in any way that people generally understand the term. So, in Signal... The sender's device will not just comply with a request to quietly rekey the conversation. Signal always notifies the user first and requires permission. But WhatsApp was concerned that in a lot of places in the world where it's typical for people to just switch out SIM cards all the time, each time you switch it out it has to rekey, it would be so burdensome on users to constantly ask them to keep verifying the keys and they'd be going, oh what, it's doing this again? and they'd start giving it permission without thinking, which means it might as well not even be there to begin with. They'll just, you know, tap right past it. And all they really accomplish is to annoy their user base and maybe make them switch to a less secure app. So 
So WhatsApp is designed so that there's no way the new key will decrypt older messages, which means that you won't see those older messages on your new device unless you back them up and restore the backup. Uh, you can go into WhatsApp security settings and turn on show security notifications, and then you'll be notified whenever a contact's key changes. But understand, you won't get that notification until after the keys have changed, and then if you have any undelivered messages that have just the first check mark and not the second, they will be sent under the new key before you're notified. It goes ahead and sends those. So the notification will let you know that happened, but only after the fact. That's not how Signal works. Signal stops everything until you give them permission. So what the concern is, is if the government strong arms Facebook into intruding on a conversation, they could theoretically force a rekey and insert the government as a man in the middle. So um, I'll just close it off with what Bruce Schneier said, quote, Note that it's an attack against current and future messages and not something that would allow the government to reach in the past. In that way, it's no more troubling than the government hacking your mobile phone and reading your WhatsApp conversations that way. This is not a backdoor. This really isn't even a flaw. It's a design decision that put usability ahead of security in this particular instance. How serious this is depends on your threat model. If you are worried about the U.S. government or any other government that can pressure Facebook snooping on your messages, then this is a small vulnerability. If not, then it's nothing to worry about. Personally, I'll keep using Signal, but anyway. Yeah, I don't really use any particular texting apps, just what comes with my phone, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, the nice thing about Signal is that you can set it as your default SMS app, and if the other person's using Signal, it'll be encrypted. If they're not, it'll just send it normal SMS. So you just, you know, set it up and you just forget about it. You just keep using it. Yeah, that makes sense. Bogosity.tv gives you great ways to shop at Amazon. Clear your cookies and go to Amazon.Bogosity.tv and you won't pay a penny more for your purchase. Or go to Prime.Bogosity.tv for a 30-day free trial of Amazon Prime and enjoy thousands of movies and TV episodes, borrow Kindle books, and get unlimited two-day shipping for free. And speaking of Kindle, go to Kindle.Bogosity.tv for a 30-day free trial to Kindle Unlimited, read over one million books, and listen to thousands of audiobooks on any device. Or go to home.pagosity.tv to try Amazon Home Services. Over a thousand different services from quality hand-picked pros, from house cleaning to equipment and furniture assembly, plumbing, electrical, painting, and other handyman services, all backed by Amazon's happiness guarantee. And as always, check the right-hand side of the podcast page for special Amazon deals. And now it's time to de-stratify this week's biggest bogan emitter. And this one's kind of painful to me. I've always been a fan of the charity Oxfam. They do a lot of good in the world. But unfortunately, there are times where their political bias leads them astray. They just published a report claiming that the eight richest men in the world have the same amount of wealth as the bottom 50% combined. Understand, it is mind-bogglingly false. So where did they get their figures? The numbers come from Forbes and Credit Suisse that show that the world's eight richest people have a combined wealth of about $426 billion, which is 0.16% of the world's wealth. 
The bottom half have a lot more than that. The fifth decil alone has 0.32%, the fourth has 0.17, the rest have about a tenth, which gives the bottom 50% about 0.6% of the global wealth. Not much, certainly, but a lot more than 0.16. So, what's Oxfam doing? Well, they're playing around with liabilities. They are subtracting the amount of debt from someone's net worth, which means that, according to them, the bottom 10% has a net worth of negative $1 trillion. So, here's a good way to look at it. Let's say you're in the second decile, which means you have a net worth somewhere between $30 and $248. Your net worth then becomes higher than the entire bottom 40% combined, which includes people in your decile. <laughs> so how does that make sense? I don't really know. <laughs> and, and it's based on the idea that debt is bad. You know, we basically hear a lot of leftists talking about that. It's bad, unless, of course, government's going into debt, in which case it's good. But think about it. Would you rather have $20,000 and no car, or $20,000, a $20,000 car loan, and a car? Well, I can't drive, so probably $20,000 and no car. <laughs> All right, but for most people, they'd be better off with the car, because you can use it to get to work and get more money and increase your overall net worth that way. And yet... The first way, you'd be in the ninth decile just by getting the car loan and buying the car, you'd go all the way down to the first. So you go from the top 20% to the bottom 10% just by buying a car with a loan. For some reason, I feel like ranting about the dealership oligopolies now. Oh, that's true. But as I say, it loses half its value when you drive it off the lot or something. Maybe not that much, but still. But what Oxfam is measuring is saved and unspent money minus debt. And there's something that elitist leftists who spew this pseudo-statistical crap don't know. But everyone who's lived on a budget does. When you're poor and you get money, there are things you need to spend it on. Food, shelter, transportation, whatever. Saving it, in that case, would be the wrong thing to do. I mean... Yes, you're up in a higher decile now, but you're always hungry. That's not a good trade-off. You know, having a full belly is more important than being in a certain place on a ledger. But as you accumulate more and more money, you need less of it percentage-wise on those essentials, so you have more, so you save more, because you can afford to save more. But apparently Oxfam thinks you should be penalized for that. So, wait. Having enough money to maybe afford the essentials and then save a little for yourself for whatever you might need or whatever venture is that? That'll push you up into the higher decils. Oh, dear. Also keep in mind, this is a global report, so it covers countries where saving money is difficult, maybe even risky. You've got places like Venezuela. They have all the hyperinflation, and the police will arrest you if you try to accumulate Bitcoin. You've got Muslim countries where women have to hide the money they've managed to accumulate and keep it secret. So, I mean, these guys are looking at the rest of the world from their ivory tower, and they want to help them, and they do so many good things to help them, but they don't understand them. Basically, they're looking at them and saying, well, these people don't save their money. They spend it. And, and they go into debt to try to get things they need. And then they're saying, we should follow that example and not looking at why they keep spending instead of saving. Well, I mean, it's, it's the whole Bernie Sanders socialist, you know, top 1% thing, you know, 
the eight richest men have as much wealth as the bottom 50%. Again, completely ridiculous. Maybe if I save enough, I'll be considered rich too. So all of that makes Oxfam this week's biggest bug on emitter. History is written by the winners, and so apparently is economics. That's why there's LibertyClassroom.com. Probably the best single learning resource for history and economics on the web, LibertyClassroom.com teaches U.S. history, Western Civ, and economics from actual university professors. There's lots of free material to get you started, including introductory lectures on all these subjects. And when you sign up, you get the full site's content for just $99 a year, less than the price of two cups of coffee a month. And if you type in the promo code BOGOSITY in all caps, you'll get your first year for just $88. Lectures are available in both video and audio format, so you can watch or listen to them on your computer, your phone or tablet, or in your car. Learn at your own pace about the subjects you're interested in and become a more effective debater. You'll also get access to lots of supplemental materials and even the professors themselves via the discussion forum and even live video chats. Inform yourself against the myths and propaganda of our society. Visit LibertyClassroom.com. And now, almost right off the bat, the first Silver Clue on winner of 2017. Wow, this is refreshing. And it goes to Chris Thomas, a.k.a. Space Rogue, security researcher at Tenable Network Security, who shows how the greatest threat in the cyber war is, get this, Squirrels. As in the rodents. Digging for nuts and stuff. Are squirrels rodents? I need to check on that taxonomy. Yep. Yep, they're rodents. Yeah, I'm just never sure. If it's a mammal, chances are it's a rodent. Mm. Most mammals are. So we've covered the hysteria around the possibility of Russia hacking our power grids and other power grids like in Ukraine. The excellent series Mr. Robot is about hacking financial systems. And we just covered a story about possible snooping on our private communications, but as much as our government declares we are in imminent danger of attack, Thomas's Cyber Squirrel 1 project shows that we're in much greater danger from squirrels. So this project gathers information on all infrastructure outages caused by animals, and he delivered a presentation at the ShmooCon Security Conference called 35 Years of Cyber War, The Squirrels Are Winning. And he called our government's hysteria about cyber attacks FUD, that's fear, uncertainty, and doubt. He made fun of people like Federal Energy Regulatory Commission Chairman Cheryl LaFleur, who said that, quote, one successful cyber attack is too many. And he described their doctrine as, quote, if there's a 1% chance of something occurring, we must employ 100% of our resources to prevent it. This is essentially what happened with Iraq, and we're now applying it to cyber and equating cyber to nukes and mutual assured destruction. It really doesn't work that way. That doesn't even add up. If you've expended 100% of your resources, then you pretty much have absolutely nothing. That's actually the point, yeah. And it doesn't even help that many of the cases of these attacks on our energy infrastructure turned out to be false alarms. So Cyber Squirrel 1 collects data on attacks from squirrels, birds, snakes, raccoons, rats, and martens. Those are the top animal threats, and many others as well, like the jellyfish that shut down the Swedish nuclear power plant in 2013. And that's one of 13 outages attributed to jellyfish. And Thomas said that this represents, quote, over 1,700 outages affecting nearly 5 million people. If you consolidated them into one location, it would basically take out the power of the San Francisco metropolitan area for two months. And he even mentioned eight deaths 
recorded from things like downed power lines that hit people on the ground from when they were taken down by squirrels. There was a swan who committed a successful DOS attack against a British train. But even if you count the attacks on the Ukraine power grid, which still haven't been definitively linked to Russia, we've experienced a much greater threat from frogs who caused three total outages last year. And it may also make you question your patriotism to learn that 11 eagles hate our electric power. But no one beats the squirrels. 879 successful attacks against infrastructure. According to Thomas, quote, Squirrels aren't just winning the cyber war, they're crushing it. As far as the actual risk from cyber attack, whether from nation states or rodents, Thomas said, quote, Causing a power outage and keeping the power out are two different things. Power outages by cyber attack are possible, and they will happen. Cascading failures that cause nationwide blackouts? Cybergeddon? I don't think so. So what a beautiful way of putting all this hysteria into perspective. So enjoy your shiny new silver glue on Chris Thomas, and try not to let the squirrels get to it. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.bogosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home. And don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. And now it's time to break the mold on the head of this week's Idiot Extraordinaire! Sorry, that was short. <laughs> and finally, it goes to Donald Trump! It's about time. I know you've all been waiting. It didn't take long. He's only been president for two days, and this is something he actually did before he took office. Specifically, when he named the head of his cybersecurity team, Rudy Giuliani. Oh, dear. Trump is actually right when he says that our systems are vulnerable and we need better minds to focus on the issue and implement solutions, but Giuliani? Really? He had a chance to get a smart, educated, savvy person involved for once, unlike Obama's choice, who, as we pointed out, didn't really know anything about computers at all, but no, he got Giuliani. Why? Uh, because of the R next to his name? Well, Giuliani runs a consulting firm that claims to be involved in cybersecurity, but the only thing it appears to actually have to do with cybersecurity is make those claims. As Vice Motherboard pointed out, it's hard to tell what they actually do, and even harder to tell what Giuliani's role is. Motherboard wrote, quote, Unlike many other cybersecurity firms, Giuliani Partners does not publish white papers about malware and large-scale hacks or push for increased adoption of encryption, which would enhance cybersecurity across the board. 
In fact, it doesn't talk much about cybersecurity at all, instead choosing to focus on its more traditional anti-crime consulting work. So they're basically cybersecurity in name only? Yeah, they're more of a traditional security firm. Yeah, like they say they're in cybersecurity. And... To them, cybersecurity is putting a guard on the door of the data center. I love how this TechDirt article puts it. Instead of bringing in someone with actual knowledge and experience in cybersecurity, the president-elect has instead put a cybersecurity cosplayer in charge. <laughs> hey, uh, oh, that's beautiful. as someone who cosplays, <laughs> it actually takes a lot of effort and knowledge on what you're cosplaying, so no. Now, the internet has been laughing at Giuliani's ignorance on this for years. Apparently, Giuliani Consulting can't even secure its own website. What? <laughs> so the internet has been laughing at Giuliani's ignorance on this for years. Apparently, Giuliani Consulting can't even secure its own website. When I was preparing the podcast, it wasn't even up. I couldn't even get its DNS to resolve. I bet you haven't had this much trouble since you looked at healthcare.gov. <laughs> People have pointed out other problems with the site, including expired security certificates and exposed CMS login, old and vulnerable versions of PHP and Joomla, a 10-year-old version of FreeBSD, and enough open ports to sail the Spanish Armada through. SSL Labs gave the site a security grade of F. According to Dan Tintler of the security firm Phobos Group, quote, Using the version information, within minutes, we were able to identify a combined list of 41 publicly known vulnerabilities and 19 publicly available exploits. Depending on the configuration of the website, these exploits may or may not work, but it is an indication that Giuliani's security needs to be taken up a level. Robert Graham of Arata Security said, quote, You can probably break into Giuliani's server, I know this because other FreeBSD servers in the same data center have already been broken into, tagged by hackers, or are now serving viruses. But that doesn't matter. There's nothing on Giuliani's server worth hacking. It sounds like anyone with a half-decent laptop and a guide could break into his server. Yeah, just a couple of freely downloadable tools. Now, in fairness, maybe neither Giuliani himself nor his firm actually put up the website and he relied on a hosting provider. But did they not even think to do a basic scan to make sure their own website was secure? If nothing else, you need the appearance of strength if you're going to inspire confidence, let alone secure the nation's information infrastructure. Giuliani's appointment does neither. Which is why Donald Trump finally takes this week's... <laughs> up this you don't know anything about computers admit it edition of the bogosity podcast come join the discussion at forum.bogosity.tv and feel free to join in by sending a question statement news article or rant in text or audio to podcast at bogosity.tv this podcast depends on you to keep going so please donate using the links on the website or the qr codes in the thumbnail or become a patron at patreon.bogosity.tv and get the podcast and youtube videos early and without ads or promos Thank you for listening, and thanks to Daniel Wilcox for joining me. Glad to be back. Until next time, here's a quote from Martin Hellman. 
National security is becoming an oxymoron in an age of cyber weapons. We need to work towards international security that works for everyone. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Want answers to creationist claims against evolution? Would you like to know more about evolution yourself, or even engage creationists more directly, with actual peer-reviewed sources to back you up? My book, How Evolution is Scientific, is designed to show the basics of evolutionary theory and how it is so well supported using the scientific method. It's impeccably sourced, with references to the actual scientific material, and is arranged using the creationists' own criteria of what is scientific. Using their own arguments against them, see how evolution is scientific, but creationism is not. Based on observations, accurate predictions, logic, and evidence. Get answers to common creationist claims, and even a primer on abiogenesis, the start of all life. It's all in my book, How Evolution is Scientific, available at Amazon, and on Kindle, EPUB, and PDF as well. Get How Evolution is Scientific and never be taken in by creationists again.